Good afternoon and welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, hosted today by Ed M, Ed P, Mike P, special guest Daniel from the UK, and myself, Steve. How's everybody doing? Good, thanks. Doing well. Hey, everybody. All right, Daniel, since we haven't had the pleasure of having you in a few weeks, I'll start with you. What's the biggest story going on in the world today? Uh, well, I'm, I'm not sure it's the biggest story in the world, but kind of important to uh, Brits is the um, IMF forecast that we're due to be the, according to the IMF, the only um, major nation that's going to have its economy contract even more. So uh, that was a nice, uh, pleasant bit of news for the UK. I guess you just need more immigrants. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. But it, it, is, it is quite funny as well, because... Um, we were told that the um, tax cutting plans of um, Liz Truss were so bad that she had to be kicked out and immediately replaced with Rishi Sunak, um, who raised taxes. And, uh, um, and now we've got a forecast contracting economy where nobody else has. So um, obviously, maybe, maybe ta cutting taxes was a good idea. Does that make sense why Britain's economy is the worst in the world? Well, we're not quite the worst in the world. We're um, the so only we're, one going to contract or something. Yeah, we're, we're the only one that, that's due to, to contract. But I, I think um, things like the Turkish economy are still in a slightly worse state than us. Well, I mean, I think because of the energy issue, I think many of the um, European countries have already contracted. So, you know... <laughs> um, uh, not sure, but uh, everybody seems to think the United States will go on in a recession this year as well. Um, nobody can seem to uh, define what a recession is anymore. Right. Once Biden has decided that uh, we weren't in a recession last year when uh, there were two consecutive quarters of contraction, um, then you, you stole my to say if it. we have four consecutive <laughs> quarters of contraction this year, that's going to be a recession. I, I don't know. Who knows? I think um, it's it's one quarter under a under a Republican, mm -hmm. and as many quarters right. as you like, it doesn't count under a Democrat. It, it is a weird, um, you know, it is a weird thing. This uh, <laughs> this taking over of the the dictionary by um, leftist activists. I mean, that you not just redefining what a recession is, but redefining what a man and a woman is um, in these dictionaries. I think they think that if they can get control of the dictionary and redefine what words mean, they can control our minds. Now, for some reason, there's this, I, I think that was in fiction. There was some fictional book about yeah. controlling the words and, and the, I, 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 forget, I forget what it was called. Uh, Re there's Re some Re book. Yeah. There's some book where they, where they were obsessed with controlling what words mean. I, I forget what right. it was. But Recession came Whatever that book is, it's an instruction manual. Recession came out the other day and said he now identifies as economically challenged. Yes, economically <laughs> challenged. Okay. So we'll we'll see what we'll see what actually happens, but I don't think it's going to be um, I don't think it's going to be a good year as far as my 401k is concerned, that's for sure. You don't expect it, them to well, continue it's, it's to reassuring to it's reassuring to hear that other nations will be joining us then. <laughs> Misery loves company. Yeah. The communist anthem. Okay. 
Ed P, I don't understand much about economics and stuff, but my understanding is it's weird for both bonds and stocks to be down. And is that going to continue? Um, I don't think it's weird for bonds and stocks to be both down at the same time. There are uh, conditions where, um, you know, if people want to get into bonds, um, you know, they, they drive the price up, which drives the interest rate down. Um, but if people are not interested in bonds because there's so many of them, then that uh, drives the price down and the interest rates up on the bonds. So um, I think right. I think the world is being flooded with bonds right now because the government cannot stop uh, printing money, you know, um, not printing money, spending money. And uh, the um, our friends at the Federal Reserve have decided that they're not going to monetize the debt much anymore. And so we're being flooded with bonds. So the price is going down, interest rates are going up. So bonds are down, stocks are down. Gold. That makes sense. I, I, you know, I don't know what it is about gold, but there's, there's uh, the gold bug people think that the gold market is being manipulated somehow. And, you know, they're probably right, of course, but I, I don't see how with all of this. There have been some convictions, Ed. I mean, there have been some cases brought. Yeah. Is that anything not corrupt anymore? I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, assume everything you've seen. You know, I, I, for, for no particularly good reason. I, I look up the Zillow evaluation of my house every weekend just as for what it's put worth. it in a spreadsheet, you know. And, uh, you know, we're, it's a nice house. It's a nice neighborhood. It's a nice area, you know, but it's it, even the price of the house is down too. So um, it looks like there is a, a sort of collapse in prices across the board, whether it's real estate um, you know, stocks, bonds, uh, gold is up a little bit, but not as much as you would uh, think. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know, buy eggs. You know, <laughs> what else you know the, the, the egg story is an interesting one this week, but we can finish this uh, discussion. Ed, Ed Powell, I just want to ask you a question. Are you saying I picked a bad week to stop snorting cocaine? <laughs> I think you did. I think you, I think we all picked a bad week for sniffing, stopping sniffing glue. Yeah. Okay. How, are, how are cocaine stocks doing? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know whether anything, uh, you know, it's a it, funny thing, of course, Twitter um, it, is related to the topic. So give me two seconds. Uh, you know, Twitter is a complete catastrophe. Um, they're banning people again for ra random reasons. Uh, they don't know what's going on. And uh, Elon Musk said um, that, the, the software is so tangled at all of the different algorithms and censorship and who follows who and who gets depressed and all of that is so tangled up into one giant Gordian knot that he thinks um, it, it's essentially hopeless and he's going to have to start with a blank sheet and do it over again properly. And I think, <laughs> to be honest, I think our monetary system is exactly the same. I, I think that it's so complicated, convoluted, and um, and destructive um, that you know at some point I have to you know start all over again um, uh, using a simple, fair, you know, commodity-backed 
system. And I, I think I it's actually any... pretty simple, Ed. The government can't stop spending money and the government doesn't charge a printing money. And well, everything. Yeah, but the process of how it prints money is you... extremely complicated and convoluted, right? Because it doesn't actually print money. That's the thing. Well, um, only because they use electronic number, you know. Electronic. No, they don't even do it. Yeah, no. All of the money is created by the bank. And it's done that way. Well, this is an hour long discussion, but it's done that way for a reason, because if because the, the banks are the Federal Reserve, are the government, it's all one thing. And if the government just printed money and dropped it out of helicopters, then the banks wouldn't get rich. But because the banks are the ones that create the money based on the Federal Reserve policies, the bankers get rich due to the inflation. And I think that's part of the, the Gordian knot of the banking system. Um, so it's a it's a it's a very difficult system. I, I don't know how you I, I don't know how you unwind it. I think you just I think it's just going to have to crash to zero and, and we start all over again. I don't think Honestly, you can you can't it. unwind it unless you get rid of the Fed altogether, right? <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, yes, yes, getting rid of the Fed, you know, is is certainly something. But I mean, it's like how do you get rid of the Fed? How, how do you cut the Gordian knot? Well, our dear leader, I, think the, I think our dear leader would have one way of doing it. But. Well, I mean, I, you know, Alexander's solution is the only solution, right? So, um, but that's a lot of disruption for yeah. everyone, including me, including you. Um, so that's, uh, so well, I, I think that their said... plan for dealing with that is to introduce a central bank digital currency. And they're probably going to combine the CBDC with, a whole bunch of debt forgiveness and that'll be the enticement to get people onto the onto that bandwagon they'll forgive mortgages they'll forgive student loans they'll forgive a whole bunch of things but you're going to give up cash and once you give up cash they're going to have you hook line and sinker because they're going to be able to monitor every activity you do yeah that's that's where i think they're going that's how they're going to unwind that gordian knot all right i wonder or, yeah or attempt to Anyway, I'll ask what may be a simpler question that I think is related to printing money. Um, I consider myself, I used to until I met you guys, I used to consider myself somewhat intelligent. Why do we have this, quote, non-discretionary spending? And why is it somehow engraved in stone that is non-discretionary and can't be changed by anybody ever? How did that happen? And what does that even mean? I mean, the entitlements. Yeah, I mean, the $100 trillion or something that's non-discretionary. <laughs> I don't get it. Who made it non-discretionary? Personally, well, it's, it's, I mean, it's not non-discretionary because Congress can always change the programs. Um, yeah. But my personal opinion is that those program, those those legislate those that those legislative legislative acts act as constitutional amendments. They bind future Congresses. And uh, therefore unconstitutional. That's my view on it. I'm not going to get a court to agree with me on that, but um, you can't bind a future Congress to spend money. Uh, I, and I think that's what those statutes well, all do. What are they bound by? That's what I don't understand. They, they bound themselves so they can unbound themselves. I, I, I can't figure this out. Well, they, they bind didn't them. bind themselves. They just set the um, they just set the spending on autopilot. That's all right. I mean, there's 
But yeah. they always say, even the Republicans, that's the one thing we can't touch. We can't touch. What do you mean you can't? You can touch it like you can touch anything else. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, they, they still see it as political kryptonite. You know, and, and but they Mark, pretend they can't, and it's not they can't, it's they right, won't. They, exactly. But again, politically, they don't have the guts to do it. And even when George Bush even dared to go near it, he got completely toasted. <laughs> he got lambasted in the media and everything. So, Someone's going to need to explain to the American people that there is no trust fund. There is no, right. there's, there's no lockbox. There's, there's no lockbox. There's no account with your name on it. And the money has already been spent, and yep. we are in a Bernie Madoff sandbag. Yeah, it's a, it's a social security is a Ponzi scheme, but Medicare is yeah. the real problem. And Medicare is not a Ponzi scheme. Medicare is just completely bankrupt. Um, Medicaid too. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Um, so it's you know it's hard, and uh, you know my mom uh, is sick, and she's on Medicare, and she's in a nursing home, and it's uh, you know it's uh, it's very difficult, and basically she's going to go bankrupt and then um you know the nursing home will be paid by medicaid and and you know there's there's really no other option i mean i you know in the old days i guess um people stayed with their family and you know they did you know at at some point but the problem is they would die instantly then because they wouldn't be getting care and uh now you know you live live forever so it's it's a very difficult uh, situation. I I don't know what the answer is. Um, certainly, uh, Medicare has very very arcane rules that I am now expert in, um, but they don't follow those rules. So I you know they, it's very difficult to understand. I mean, I sat there and read the law to the nursing home people. I like this is the law from the Cornell law. You know. And she's like, yeah, it doesn't matter what the law says. It only matters what the person on the phone says. And the person on the phone has an eighth grade education, if that. You know, Ed, I don't know if this is true, but years ago, um, my spouse and I went to a very highly recommended attorney who specializes in this, you know, end of life Medicare issues. And being Mm -hmm. a highly educated MSW, which means I went to social work school and got a great education, I said, gee, is there any place that I can read up on this and figure out what's going on? And she said to me, no, because it changes every single day and there's no way to ever understand it. So I don't yeah, know. It's an instance-based. It's instance-based. It's, yeah, she's like, forget about it. Nobody's going to ever understand this stuff. So, yeah. See, I didn't even realize that you had an NHS. Of course. <laughs> Everybody. I mean, the government pays yeah. half I the... Mean, the government pays over half the medical bills in the country. I mean, it's. It, I mean, the, I think they the, probably the control about, a greater percentage than that, even when you add in Obamacare and everything. The the thing about the difference between the American system and the and the British NHS system is in Britain, um, it's a communist system. That is, the government owns the means of production. All the hospitals, you know, almost all, but all the hospitals are owned by the government. All the nurses work for the government. All the doctors work for the government. It is essentially communist medicine. In the United States, it's somewhat different in that everything is privately owned. And we have a, there's a large number of what um, Daniel Horowitz calls like vulture capitalism, where where basically everyone is being paid by the government, but since everything is privately owned, uh, everything is a grift. 
and um, almost everything is a grift. And so that that is the issue that we we've all looked and seen. What farm is a grift? I read a very interesting article the other day about you know does your cat really need uh, rabies vaccine every year? Like it's required here in Fairfax County. Your cat ha now our cats are indoor cats. They never interact with anybody. Do they really need the rabies vaccine every year? Well, guess what? You know what? They don't. They really only need it once because the rabies vaccine works. And um, as opposed to other vaccines. And so uh, they don't need it every year. So why is it required? Why does the government require you get a rabies vaccine? And especially because it has side effects. Just, you know, why do they require every cat and dog in the county, no matter whether they stay inside or go outside or whatever, to have a rabies vaccine? Well, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. But I think it's, you know, it's obviously it's a grift. And uh, there, there's the whole medical system in Britain is run at like it's run by Stalin. And the whole medical system in the United States is, is like it's run by the mafia. And that's the difference. I think in, in, there's one bit in, in the UK where that's not accurate, and that's um, GPs, because GPs are private consultants, essentially. Ah, and, okay. And all of, the, all, of the G, all of the GPs, which is your, your family doctor, your you know, general practitioner, um they run their um surgeries as small businesses essentially um and and they're sort of doing contract work for the government um but i think that the, the worst bit of it, it it tends to be the um the hybrid bits you know the the, the public private partnerships uh, yeah. That's where that's where the Labour Party built up uh, really really bad deals for for the public sector, where they um, said right okay we need to build a whole no load of new hospitals. The government doesn't want to send, spend the money, um, but we'll do a kind of loan agreement um, so it's off the books with um, with a private company and they'll build it all. They'll pay for it initially. The government can say, look, it's not in our books. We, we've not spent, but we've got these brand spanking new fabulous hospitals. Uh, and they tied uh, essentially the government into long-term deals, which were extremely onerous to the health authorities paying back. Um, so you, you managed to get the absolute worst of both systems that way. You've got the you got the, the the kind of worst of private greed combined with the the worst of um, public incompetence. Yeah, yeah, well, I think that's what our system is uh, writ large. Yeah, I mean it's uh, obviously it's not a free market system that we have here. I mean uh, there was one article I just pulled up. I I had bookmarked. There's a great a great blog post by Dan Mitchell on the healthcare system here, and it says that I mean it's, it's dated about ten years or so, but. Uh, patients only control about 12% of their healthcare dollars. We don't have a free market. <laughs> when you have 88% of the dollars being controlled by insurance companies and the government, you don't have a free market system. And when you have that, you have third-party payers, the price goes up exponentially. Um, you know, obviously- I, I don't know whether I've told you this story before, but when I lost the hearing in my left ear, I, you know, I uh, basically saw, I, I, Talked to her, saw like 14 doctors in the first two, two weeks. I mean, it was out of control. And we came to think that there were uh, that the um, one of the treatments, which actually did 
uh, work, I wish I had gotten it earlier, but uh, was uh, hyperbaric oxygen. So there was a place here, private pay, hyperbaric oxygen, 20 treatments, $4,000 cash, right? That's it, $4,000 cash upfront, 20 treatments. So I did that. Then I found out as I was doing these that in fact, for sudden hearing loss, uh, my insurance really did cover that, cover hyperbaric oxygen. And so mm -hmm. I it, now, of course, it takes so long to get the paperwork done that it probably didn't make any difference. But I put in um, uh, all the paperwork, found a doctor, did all the things, and they approved 30 more treatments. So I, I did 30 more treatments paid for by my insurance and um, at a at a uh, covered facility, the first facility was not a, it was a out of network. So they're not going to, that 4,000 is gone. I'm never getting that back, but at a covered facility. Now, thir tw 20 treatments, private facility, $4,000. 30 treatments in the system, you know, the insurance system, the, the you know, all of that. Does anyone uh, want to guess how much they were reimbursed for those 30 uh, treatments by my insurance company. Seventy-five thousand. Hell, 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 yeah, hell of a lot more. Seventy-five thousand yeah. dollars. I mean, it's all a scam. And I really, it's just and um, so you would expect, you know, if it was four, it would be six because there was, you know, fifty percent more. But no, it was seventy-five thousand. It was more yeah. than an order of magnitude. And 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 why was that? Well, I was working for a company. The company was self-insured, so that means the company paid all of the things. The insurance company was merely a gatekeeper. So when the insurance company said yes, everybody gets their hands in the pot, the bill goes to the company I was working for, $75,000. And that, and everybody takes a cut, right? The insurance company takes a cut. The hospital whose land, this facility, this hyperbaric oxygen facility, they took a cut. The facility took a cut, the doctor took a cut. And, yeah, and when you get down to the nurses and the techs, they're paid nothing. So they don't get a cut. Of I mean, is there any industry, any, any sector that's not under the thumb of government that doesn't have corruption and, <laughs> and you know? Yeah, I mean, that, that just- uh, Scam, that, Scams I where they're all siphoning off money. I mean, you know, even, even last year when I had COVID, um, right before the new year last year, like 2021, uh, I went to an in-network hospital. I had a doctor come and see me every day. How you doing? You know, did nothing for me. Here, take your pills. And of course, you all know what happened, right? The surprise bill starts showing up. And of course, then they got to get a middleman involved. And then the doctor's telling them UOX, which is probably just like you just were saying, totally inflated. They know they're not going to get it, but they know if they even get half that much, they're making out like bandits. And that, you know, basically that's what happens as the patient, they finally tell you, oh, you don't know anything. You should have been covered. And, and they're all, they're all laughing their way to the bank. I mean, it's just, <laughs> you know, it's a scam. We see it with Medicaid, all these government programs too. But kind of getting back, you know, circling back, as they say, if Medicare runs out of money, like whatever that means, what happens? I mean, they just keep paying doctors less and less. Like, I mean, I know in some fields, doctors don't recoup their costs for Medicare. What happens? Or does just everybody runs out to some village in Colorado and shrugs? Well, no, they, they 
reduce the reimbursements and the doctors can either stop taking Medicare or they just take the lower reimbursements. Is that part of why we're seeing now NPs and PAs more than doctors? That's my guess. I'm not an expert, but that's my guess. So they're just, you know, dumbed down the whole system, so to speak. Not that I have anything against NPs and PAs. And a short. I think sometimes my experience is that sometimes the MPs and the PAs are better than the doctors. I know that's why I said what I said. Yep. The doctors are sort of not just dogmatic, but they're 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 infected with this woke nonsense way more than the than the non-professional people. And I mean, I have I have a lot of doctors that I see and. Some of them are better. Some of them are not as good. And uh, but the the quality of care from the from the assistants is almost always better. <laughs> was it well, um, was say, it one uh, of you guys who said about um, I can't remember whether it was one of you guys or someone else who said about an elderly relative who who male who was asked if they were uh, pregnant uh, in a consultant <laughs> you know in a consultation at a hospital. And it was just because they, they ask everybody this and the kind of the wokeness is at such a level now that they will ask elderly, obviously men, whether they've been, whether they are pregnant as well. I don't know what you mean by obviously male, by the way. <laughs> I'm going to let you retract that statement, Daniel. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not retracting anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When I was with, um, let's just say, someone I know recently in a medical facility, and a doctor comes in and says to this person, well, I wasn't at your surgery, so I don't really know what I'm talking about. And the question would be, why would you come into somebody's room to talk about their surgery if you didn't figure out what it was? (laughs) Like, what are you adding? And God knows what that person will bill to walk in and say, I don't know what you what happened to you, so I can't really speak to your questions. But I'm sure they will bill for it. I mean, the whole system is just is very, very sad. Um, Daniel, in Britain, are you also doing the nurse practitioner, physician assistant thing? Um, I'm not sure what you're referring to there. Well, when we go to the doctor's office here, you're much more likely to see a nurse practitioner Oh, right. Okay. Well, um, since COVID, our GPs have been um, a lot less available. And uh, because lots of them um, closed down and were only doing telephone consults um, through all of lockdown, etc. But some of them continued that after lockdown. And uh, now you can get an appointment with your GP and see your GP. But there's massive waiting lists there. Uh, and of course, there's massive waiting lists for the hospitals, et cetera. So mm. people are waiting a lot longer to see doctors. Um, so I suppose there's an element of it being shoved off into um, nurse practitioners. Um, most GPs have a, have a nurse on call as well. Um, and so, yeah, people go there instead, uh, a bit like they m- might head into A&E um, Rather than wait for an ambulance. Yeah. So, so there are wait there are wait lines, wait times in in uh, in the UK because the leftists in, in America don't believe that. You know, 
yeah, yeah. Oh, there, there's, I mean, our waiting list, we've got um, millions of people on waiting lists for operations mm-hmm. and stuff that were cancelled during COVID. And it's, right. it, you know, um, uh, at the height of uh, all of COVID, etc., um, the hospitals were effectively shutting down um, for everything except um, taking in COVID patients, really. Um, and, you know, in 2020, my mother passed away and uh, there was a period where we couldn't visit her in hospital uh, in her final weeks of life. Uh, and then we, and, you know, lots and lots of families were affected like this. Wow. That's even, that's even worse than here. <laughs> yeah, it, it's that, it was pretty disgusting how people were treated really, because when you've got a dying relative right. and uh, you've got very limited visiting hours or you've got, uh, or you're told not to come into the hospital at all, or you're told that only one member of the family can go in um, and there's all the kind of mask regulations, etc. whether you agree with those or not, or whether they served any real purpose or not. Um, it, it you know, there must have been thousands upon thousands of families affected that way. Right. You know, I, I shared the article on our chat the other day, um, and I only shared it because it was in Newsweek, which is not particularly a conservative publication. Um, the title, It's Time for the Scientific Community to Admit We Were Wrong About COVID and It Cost Lives. Well, hallelujah. Yeah. And exactly who is that bringing back? And if I remember correctly, there's a culture somewhere in the East, I was going to say Orient, but that's not politically correct, where if you had to make such an apology, you would take a sharp object and it would have a meeting with part of your abdomen, I believe. I read that article, as I said to you in the chat, I think it was adorably naive. These people are I mean, not only are they never going to admit they were wrong, they weren't wrong from their perspective. They were evil. This was not a mistake. This was all intentional. Well, I think on on the part of some it was. I think on the part it wasn't. I think some people were duped. And I just, I I like watching when it's coming more from the left side, how they're squirming just a little bit to try to say, oh, well, no big deal. Let's move on. And well, how do you move on from tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people who were killed? So it's a really nice idea. Let's move on. But is anybody getting as well as not accepting any culpability, really, apart from, you know, that's a great article, that Newsweek article. Um, uh, But most of them don't accept any culpability. But it's also the case now that they're kind of shifting all the sort of measures that were done for COVID and that were draconian and unjust and um, had no practical benefit are the kind of things they're transferring to climate responses now. I mean, it's the dream. They're, they're not going to reflect and change on, on this any more than any other issue that they believe in and, and government program that they've implemented, the welfare state, Healthcare, all the things that they destroy, and all the destruction that's left in in their in their wake. That's not that's not how liberals and leftists work. It's it's always just about how their their feelings are, or what 
what what they're really after. Obviously, a lot of them authoritarians and totalitarians. So right, people, right before you know, we started, they're never going to re reflect and change. Right before we started, I saw this article in Epic Times. A Colorado doctor has been placed on indefinite probation by the state medical board for prescribing ivermectin to three of his patients for COVID-19. So we're three years into it. And with all the, you know, weak mea culpas, they're still going to keep punishing doctors. So well, that's part of where I was going to go, Stephen. I mean, if they want to, if they really want to make things right, the first thing they can do is, is have an amnesty and a rehire for anyone who was fired from his job for not taking this vaccine uh, and, and reinstated with back pay. And likewise, any doctor that was punished should be should have his his license restored to good standing and have the the punishment expunged. And these other treatments, these other therapeutic treatments, should be made just as readily available as as the shots are. If they want, if they're serious about making amends and moving on, that's the way to do it. Well, and also, you know, nowadays we take responsibility by saying we take responsibility. I, and I love it when they finally say, yes, I take full responsibility, but I will keep my job and I will keep my position and I will keep my status. Well, how about just a little bit of dignity and self-respect and quit, if not a Japanese way? And yeah, I don't think anybody will be punished and I don't think anybody will resign because of it because there's no pressure to do that. Well, I think that only only Republicans get pressure to resign when they make horrible mistakes that kill hundreds of thousands of people. I I, I don't think um, I don't think any of these bureaucrats will do that. I, I I do think that partially because of the alternative media, um, you know, Rumble takes a lot of credit in in this, and uh, especially people who post on uh, on. Um, YouTube saying, hey, I've got this great video and we're gonna talk about all this stuff that you're interested in, but I can't talk about it on YouTube. So look in the description for the rumble. And I think uh, I think a lot of information is getting out uh, with Elon taking over Twitter. I think um, he, he did free up the COVID discussion. I mean, Twitter is a disaster, right? But, uh, but I think a lot of the died suddenly stuff the uh, the Pfizer um, you know undercover by James O'Keefe the um, Substack again uh, you know I know a lot of people get uh, their their news from video these days but man Substack has some really good I don't care how technical you are there are people doing analytics at a higher technical level than you can understand they are really crunching the numbers. Uh, not so much numbers in the United States, because again, the United States is a failed state and we can't do anything properly like collect numbers, but other countries uh, uh, collect information fairly good. The United Kingdom, until recently when they stopped publishing numbers because they're embarrassing, uh, New Zealand, Australia, uh, you know, France, Germany, some of these places have a very good numbers. Um, and uh, they're analyzing the hell out of them. And, and what it says is that, the, you know, our, our leaders who met at, at WEF just a few weeks ago ha have murdered hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. I mean, I, you know, the, a lot of people have died of COVID, you know, but I personally, uh, just to be anecdotal on this, I personally know one person who died of COVID. I know one person who died of the vaccine and I, and, and like mm -hmm. got the vaccine death, 
you know, no question. Um, and I think it's about 50-50. And I think I, I, I'm not sure that isn't right for the whole world. I am not sure that isn't right for the whole world, that the vaccine has killed just as many people as the disease itself. Um, certainly the number I've seen, um, the died suddenly stuff, the lockdown deaths, the cancer deaths due to lock, you know, no screenings, all of that added together is uh, yeah, an ethical skeptic on, on Twitter has been, it's about the same as the number of people who are said to have died in the United States. And God knows whether that number is true because they told us they faked those numbers. I mean, and so we still, I, have, we still have the sure, higher- it's certainly, it's certainly about the same, you know? Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, the countries that are most vaxxed still have a higher trending mortality rate, right? Over the last- Year or two? Well, there was a very interesting paper, or two interesting papers. I told this to my doctor. Of course, she's not going to listen to me because nobody listens to me. There's a very interesting paper that said it looks like the more vaccines you get, the more COVID you get. And uh, right. if you do the math, the, the difference between no vax and, and like four, right? Four plus is, is a, a multiplier of point. Uh, 2.8 uh, or 2.8. So it's 2.8 higher chance. And there's this completely separate paper. Now, if you took these papers and put them together in a single paper, it would never get accepted, but you can publish them separately. So the other paper said that the bivalent booster had a um, 30% uh, efficacy. Now, I think that's nonsense, but let's just assume that it's true. So you take the 2.8, uh, this is for hospitalization, by the way, you, uh, uh, that's the endpoint. You take the 2.8 times uh, more likely to, hosp uh, to get COVID and the 0.7 times less likely to be hospitalized. You put them together and the more vac and, and you find that giving someone another vaccine increases their chance of getting COVID by a factor of two or, or getting hospitalized by a factor of two. The more, so like, you publish those two papers separately and, and, and only people who noticed, right? It's like, oh, I get lots of, you know, I get lots of feeds and sub stacks and whatnot. Oh, put these together. Yeah. Uh, you get another vax and it increases your chance of hospitalization by a factor mm -hmm. of two. And that's, be, that's even thinking that the people who say that uh, the bivalent booster has a 30% efficacy are, 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 running their experiments properly, which I'm yeah. sure they are. I'm sure they are. But I mean, just off the top, just if you believe what's published in the medical literature, more vaccines meaning mean more hospitalizations, period. That's the bottom line. And um, which means I, so I don't know what you do. The logical conclusion of that is it's, it's the logical it's conclusion damaging your is, immune system. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> called immune imprinting. That's right. It's immune imprinting. And also called original antigenic sin. And there's no way, uh, basically it puts your immune system in a rut. And uh, everything that you get, um, it thinks it's the original Wuhan strain and tries to fight it and it doesn't yeah. work. And right. you get, uh, it, it keeps trying to fight it and it keeps trying and keeps trying. And then there's more inflammation and more fever and more inflammation and you end up in the hospital. Not yeah. everyone, I but a lot. Now that we're starting to enter the very beginnings of primary season for 2024, who is that going to work the most against? And will Trump ever disavow that he was the one in charge of all the vaccines? Will the Democrats oh. turn around and blame it on him, even they, though they weren't going to take it when he did oh, it? Oh, no, I, I don't think that. 
I don't think the establishment are, is going to uh, back off on this at all. Yes, there's Newsweek article and this and that. I think everybody is like vaccines save lives. Everybody get their backs. We're going to have a vaccine every October. Everybody's going to get it. We're going to still keep the mandates uh, to the extent the courts will allow it. Um, I think all the Republicans on board, including DeSantis, I think all the Democrats are on board. I, I don't think the vaccines and vaccine injuries and sudden death, I mean, unless, I mean, you know, unless someone really famous, really obviously dies like on video, like that football player uh, that, that died and was resurrected. Um, but in a way where it, they can't obviously blame it on like the hit for the for the football player. Yeah, but then um, they'll just say it, it's an N of one and it doesn't matter. But am I the only one who thinks it's possible that if Trump becomes a nominee, they will flip on a dime a la 1984 and say we were always against these vaccines and it was always Trump's fault and he killed everybody? Again, it's a thousand dollar uh bill sitting in the middle of the road for any Republican to pick up and none of them are going to pick up. And I, I, don't you know, see I thought maybe DeSantis was, but it's not DeSantis isn't either. I don't see how any Democrat could walk away from the vaccines. I don't see it. The same way they walked towards it when they were never going to take it until the day Biden got elected and they turned on a dime. I'll yeah, that's true. Take this vaccine. Yeah, but that wasn't a time of where we didn't where we didn't know there was still ignorance. There's too much knowledge now. I yeah. Mean, It'd be tough. I don't think they could pull that one off. They're not um, in, in that fiction book that we huh. were talking about earlier. Um, don't you remember when the price of chocolate went down? You're talking about the book where it says 1984. Oh, yeah. 1984. The book where everybody was supposed to celebrate the price of chocolate going down, even though it went up. So I don't put yeah. the press to switch back on a dime if it'll, you know, further their candidate. Why wouldn't they? Maybe I'm too cynical. I, you know, I, I mean, the only thing is, obviously, they're trying to get rid of Biden. Do uh, you know there, there's a, a, a there's a concentrated effort to try to get rid of Biden through this, you know, classified documents non-scandal scandal. Um, and I say it's a non-scandal scandal because absolutely no one outside the Beltway gives a shit. No one cares. Ed, Ed, but, I mean, I they use point? it. They use it as clubs, but nobody cares, right? Ed, can I make a so, environmental point here, please? If I may interrupt you, I want to give credit to the Democrats because they are using this more like an electric stove than a gas stove. Unlike a gas <laughs> stove, which is harmful and heats up right away, they just like got this electric stove slowly, slowly, slowly. Okay, you're not going to quit. We'll do a little more. It's almost like the ten plagues. You're still not going to quit. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to say they're environmentally friendly and how they're getting rid of Biden. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, again, this is an inside the beltway kind of thing. Nobody cares. I don't think, uh, you know, obviously there are Republican pundits who are hitting him and there are Democratic pundits who are defending and none of that matters because it's a non-scandal scandal because nobody really cares whether, uh, you know, I think the corruption angle, which they will not go after Biden for, the fact that he may have fed classified information to Hunter to use to give to China to repay them from uh, for their sponsorship. I think I think the corruption angle is a real story. And I think they are not going to go there because they're all corrupt in exactly the same way, Democrats and Republicans. But um, 
but I, I think, and that's why they're kind of couching it as though he had like classified documents. Well, who cares? You know, I mean, yeah, if I had it, I would be thrown in prison immediately. That, you know, so I won't ever do that. But, uh, but you know, that they nobody at that level cares. So, um, am I, mean, I wrong that they're pushing it, Michelle a little bit more? Uh, yeah, Michelle that. is coming to the forefront. Yeah, I, I, I saw I, that. And in fact, I, I, there is no chance any Republican can beat Michelle Obama. No chance at all. That's I don't care if we if we nominated that. Jesus. I'm not so sure about that one, Ed. Uh, now, it, the, the suburban, Michelle Obama. suburban women are in love with Michelle Obama. In love. Wait until she has to start answering questions. Yeah. She's going to sound as she isn't ridiculous stupid. as Kamala. She's evil, but she's not stupid. She's not Kamala Harris. You know, I mean, if there's, one, if, there, if, there's one, if there's one factor, and there were many why Trump won, one of them was because people rebelled, I think, against that idea of the entitled entitlement you know the hillary had the name id the clinton name and could run on that i i, I think that's just one part I, of it one part of it my aunt i i love uh, i love her she went to a a, a kennedy rally back in in 60 and uh, she was you know our that part of the family was very staunchly republican and uh, kenny came and sh shook her hand and she swooned and uh has voted uh voted for kennedy uh you know uh and I, I, the suburban woman uh, swooning over Michelle Obama, like they swooned over Oprah, another grifter, um, is so is so huge that you would have to like, I don't know what demographic you could get to like, we, we talk about ideas, right? We talk about like, you know, policies, you know, should we do this? Should we do that? But nobody votes on that. Like, you know, a tenth of the population votes on that. They all vote on emotion and 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 the tribalism, like I've always been a Republican, so we're Republican or or um or you know, fashion, you know, aesthetics, fashion, that sort of thing. Um, and uh there is no chance of beating Michelle Obama at Michelle all. Obama, she, it'll be the big, um, don't, don't agree. She's not quick on her feet, she does not think fast. It'll be the largest said, electoral landslide since Richard Nixon in 72. She she said some outrageous things along the way, too. Of uh, course she did. Nobody cares. You care. I, I think cares. You're I care. Her, you're giving her no way one too cares. much credit. I think you're giving way too much this credit. Is good no one cares. We're going we're gonna to put this one in the archive <laughs> the day after yep. the election. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think? You Let me go summer. even further. Let me go even further. Unless the Democrats clear the field for her the way they cleared it for Biden, I don't think she can win a Democrat primary because these guys like Gavin Newsom and and uh, Pritzker and these guys that think that they can be president, they are going to eat her up and spit her out. Don't forget oh, about Bill Murphy. Murphy. A single Democrat alive who's going to run against Michelle Obama, the black woman wife of the former president. Losey and Newsom are family, and I think there's a lot of power there, and that's what yeah. I'm wondering about. And you're underestimating Phil Murphy. I want to let you know. Got a lot of money. Murphy. A lot of money. Hey man, he's gonna run. I'm telling you right now. That's what I, that's what I hear. He's he's gonna be on the vaccine. Or... I think we're gonna nominate. Uh, remember how we nominated uh, Mitt Romney, who invented Obamacare to fight Obamacare. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the Republicans are gonna uh, nominate a pro-vaccine person to try and uh, fight the vaccine, and that is it's gonna work just yeah. as well as it worked with the. Uh, 
with but, Romney. I mean, to answer Steve's question from before, I mean, until we know all the people are throwing their hat, their hat in the ring on the Republican side, I don't know what factor the vaccine is. All I know is Trump is the one that's going to have stuff to answer for. And if DeSantis is smart, he continues to, you know, be the guy that's more on the forefront of that and has the record of being against the lockdowns and everything. But the rest of them, like uh, Nikki Haley. DeSantis is not I against the vaccine, though. DeSantis is yeah, not vaccine. yet. OK, not yet. I don't really recall exactly what he said or did on that. And I mean, but he wasn't he was against, against, against them. He, against them. he wasn't against vaccine mandates. I thought he was. Um, well, he won't come out and he won't say anything negative about the vaccines. I think he has come out against the mandates mm-hmm. um, and he did. He did do lockdowns the first couple of weeks. He shut down the Florida beaches. Yeah. Florida schools. But he um, wise, so he wise up that quick. too. I mean, and Trump has been attacking him on that. But, but he didn't he didn't do it for an extended long period of time. Correct. He changed his mind. So, Well, DeSantis can't win because he's relying on the Florida electorate and they're all dead. Well, the, the yeah, I mean, is I, the most effective vote, isn't it? What's that? It is. It's fair. The people who are dead. Somebody said that consistent. it's not a problem because they'll all vote Democrat. Yeah. <laughs> When I was in Tallahassee, it was amazing. I mean, they don't even have to have speed bumps anymore. There's just corpses all over the place. He basically has killed everyone in the entire state. So, but so, you know, nobody um, throws that back at the press. Like they called him a murderer and they said he's going to kill yeah. everyone in the state. Why yeah. are they throwing that back at them every single day? There was a um, Twitter thread the other day. Uh, obviously, uh, you know obviously paid for by Trump or, or some, you know, anti-DeSantis uh, person uh, showing DeSantis, uh, you know, each and every sort of globalist slash WEF oriented thing DeSantis has done um, in his, uh, in his career, both in Congress and as uh, Florida governor. And it was, it was really hard hitting. It, 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 it's like, wow, did he do this? Wow. Did he do that? I mean, he has a lot to answer for, DeSantis. Just because he's been pretty good yeah. in the last year or two doesn't mean that of course he, gonna... um, he hasn't been captured by the swamp a long time ago and is just sort of, um, you know, coming up a little bit for air once in a while. They're going to dig up everything. You know that. Yeah. So let's, uh, I want to turn our attention because I know we're already like almost an hour in, but let's talk about the, um, the five black cops beating up and ultimately killing. Oh, we're getting another argument here. I just saw Alu and Steve uh, (laughs) came across my podcast feed. I haven't listened yet. Uh, Well, you know, at this point, anytime an incident like this happens, I'm almost tone deaf to a a lot of it in in a way from the left. But number one, I just don't want to see people rioting on the streets. (laughs) just Just cut it out. Please somebody stand up and stop the rioting and the Antifa and all that kind of crap but to me the the big story is always the media and they're just constantly trying to stoke the flames it's like even though there's five black cops they can still be racist i mean we've been told our whole life that only white people can be racist right (laughs) you know black people can't be racist but now the five black cops are apparently white supremacists (laughs) you know it's just it's, it's almost comical but did any of you catch the funeral today? Was the funeral no. broadcast nationally? Because all the pop-ups on my headlines were like the funeral, the funeral, the funeral. Yeah. 
No, because Sharpton you know, is down there apparently. Obviously, there's, there's always jumping to. Yeah, there are, there's always jumping to conclusions. You know, we we don't know all the facts yet. I mean, from what we've seen, it looks horrible. Most most rational people just seeing that are going to say that it's that looks pretty wrong. You beat the living crap out of the guy, and you didn't have to do it, and now he's dead. But you know, anyway, those are my two cents. Well, I, I, I kick it I, off. I, sorry to, to jump in here. Um, oh, there's the small thing where you know Andrew Bronco, the force expert, uh, goes through the video and and basically uh, comes to the conclusion that uh, to the extent that they were trying to make him comply and he wasn't complying any sort of hits to the body or arms or hands or whatever is perfectly reasonable according to the law. Not, now you may not like it, but according to the law, and he hits to the head and there was one kick to the head and potentially one punch to the head, um, not reasonable and thus potentially illegal. And he thinks the cops probably except for the guy who kicked him in the head, I think he says the cops probably uh, are innocent of the of the charges. But I wanted to Would take, they be innocent. Of uh, I wanted to take us. What's that? Yeah, innocent, they be innocent of, of manslaughter. Innocent. Yeah, innocent of manslaughter. I want to take a bigger look, though, at the at policing in the United States and just, you know, 30 seconds. And that is, you know, the British invented policing back in the in the 1830s, and it was picked up in New York in, in the 19, in the 1840s, and then spread to the rest of the country. And what ended up happening was, um, you know, the United States was, and Britain and uh, was were very peaceful countries with with very little crime, um, bandits maybe, but um, the, the whole idea of city crime is something that came with mass immigration. Um, the British, uh, you know, didn't have, uh, you know, mass immigration uh, in the 1830s, but they had a little bit of it enough to worry them. And But the United States in the 1840s started with mass immigration. And what mass immigration did was create uh, ethnic gangs. And the ethnic gangs uh, engaged, engaged in criminal activity. Now, the only way to fight these ethnic gangs, whether you like it or not, right, the only way is to have a, a gang on your side. And that's what the police are. The police are just a, a gang of thugs. And they have to be the biggest, baddest gang of thugs if you want to fight what ends up being, you know, ethnic gang activity. And, uh, you know, I know there are a lot of policemen out there who don't think of themselves as being in some sort of big, a gang of thugs, and and I I feel for those people. I know they try and do a good job, but in these inner cities, you just it's just it's just one gang of thugs after another, and the the ones that work for the state, and and that's kind of how it has to be. I hate to say this as a libertarian who wants like you know peace and freedom, but if you're going to have a multicultural society, you are going to need a bigger gang of thugs than any of the individual, whether it's a black gang or a Latino gang or a you know, it, back in the day, there were Irish gangs until they took over the police. That's the interesting thing in, in the United States. The Irish went into the gangs into the of cops. New York. Was it, wasn't that part of the gangs uh, of New York? That's film? right. Gangs of New York. There were even Jewish gangs. You knew that, Stephen. There were even Jewish gangs. There were Jewish so gangs I, it, it, and there were Jewish gangsters. Mm -hmm. There were Jewish gangsters. So, I mean, again, the state just becomes the biggest gang, the most powerful gang. 
and they be and, and and when they behave like gangsters, when the state gang behaves like gangsters, everyone seems to be shocked. Everyone seems like, oh my God, how could they possibly do that? That's because they don't get the history of policing in the United States. They don't get it. And uh, you know, I'm not surprised that they beat the crap out of this guy because he would not get down on the ground and put your hands behind your back. The cop pulls you over on the street for whatever reason, even if it's unjustly, yeah. and he asks you to step out of the car and put your hands behind your back, you step out of the car and put your hands behind the back. If he asks you to on the, floor, on the ground, put your hands behind the back, you do that. You just do it, and you, okay. have, you fight it later. I realize that's not you know, the, what Rambo would do, but that's what you do. What about Rambo? And this guy didn't, and he got the crap beat out of him. To me, one it's of the big... Little, sorry, I, well, to me, yeah, I mean, I'm done. There, are a couple, there are two big angles to me on this story. Number one, you know, you, you, you talked about the, you know, that, that analysis about uh, whether the cops were using reasonable force. And, you know, in your last point about complying with police officer commands, if you watch the video, it's clear the guy was not complying with commands. And we've, we've got a culture right now of disrespecting the police, tearing down the police, um, I'm not here to defend the police. There are a lot of things I have, a lot of issues I have with them, but we're encouraging exactly the kind of disobedience that, that uh, Tyree uh, Nichols exhibited. And that's just what the police are going to do, not because they're bad guys, but if, if a policeman makes a mistake in the other direction, he's the one who gets killed. And it doesn't mean that I that I justify what the what they did, but uh he the, the the when you get pulled over you know like like you said ed when you get pulled over by the police you need to know what your limits are and you need to know that if you have to fight it later you fight it later um and the We've second that discussion but, before but, but i'm but, not going to buy the fight it later because i don't know too many pro bono lawyers and to fight it later costs thousands and thousands of dollars. And people well, but fighting it then cost him his life. I mean, he ran away. Yeah, but but there is no, there's no option of fighting it later. That's just, that's just a crock. Okay, no one has lawyers' money to quote fight it later. It's a, well, but I mean, that gets to the, to the second point I was going to make. We still don't know what the reckless driving was. No, and by the okay. way, the rumor that one of us put on the chat the other day has made it to mainstream. Um, it's been on at least two national TV shows as a rumor that this guy had a relationship with one of the cops' wives. And if that turns out to be true, that's a problem. Yeah, if that turns out to be true, then it's then it's murder. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to say one other thing, and I think I'm a, uh, well, actually, I'll say two things, maybe. I don't know what other professions people are allowed to mouth off the way they mouthed off. And I've been saying this for a long time. I could not watch them cursing. They must have said MF 50 times in 12 seconds. And as far as I'm concerned, if you're a public servant wow. and you talk like that, you should not be a public servant, period. Now, I know I worked in emergency psychiatry. You've heard this before. I have seen many takedowns. I never, ever, ever saw a security guard strike a patient. And by the way, had they struck a patient, they would have been fired on the spot. If an EMT paramedic firefighter strikes a patient, they will be fired on the spot. I will never buy that a strike is legal. Never. There are other ways to restrain a human being. So, but in any case, I don't think anybody should keep a job when they say, move, 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 move. 
thousands and thousands of times. They're not, they're just not professionals. I prefer the Spider-Man way where you, you know, you shoot the webs from your, and it just encapsulates them and sticks them to the wall. Now, uh, unfortunately that's in the comic books and not in reality. And when you tell someone to put their hands behind their back and they don't, you can let them go. You can shoot them. Or you can use some sort of less than lethal force to try and get his hands right. behind his back to put cuffs on. Right. That, those are the only three choices. No, you can restrain them. And like I told you, I don't know how many times I have to say this. I guess everybody else worked in emergency situations. You can restrain somebody. Four people can restrain any human being. And I'm talking about bipolar, psychotic, totally out of control people. And they can be restrained without ever delivering a blow. So I just do not buy it. You ask a paramedic what would happen if he were working with a crazy out of control patient and he threw a punch, gone in a second, under no circumstances, would he ever be able to administer a blow? And by the way, I've watched this from the Israeli police. And you know what? There's no difference between the Israeli well, police. They may be a little it, worse. It may well police. be that these police officers acted illegally, but that's another part of the story. The system seems to be working. I mean, they've all been fired. They've all been charged. Everybody thinks that they're going to be convicted and sent to, sent away. I mean, th- this notion that there's some injustice that re- that requires rioting and 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 some national self examination is ridiculous. I mean, to the extent that these guys did something wrong, it looks like very likely like they're going to get punished. But the the thing is, you know, we know how different it would all be if those cops were white. Oh yeah, no, no, the, end the, right. the, the rioting would but be they, there they, already, they, wouldn't it? They were they were ready to riot anyway. No, they, they were yeah. white. So they're white supremacists because yeah. you know, for months, you don't have to be white to be a white supremacist. Um, let me talk to you about the Bobbies. It, does this stuff happen in England? Does what stuff happen in England? Bobbies uh, beating up people. Uh, nowhere near to the same. I mean, obviously, we've got a much smaller population. Uh, we've got inner cities that are, are places I wouldn't want to be after dark. Um, you know, lots of regions like that. Um, I can but, tell they don't actually enforce the law in the United Kingdom in certain areas. I was going to ask that question. That is that part of it, that there are no go zones. Yeah, yeah, I think there are effectively no go zones. Uh, and they are, you know, um, Ed's completely right about the the link between ethnic gangs and crime. And that's something that no liberal will admit and, you know, no um, progressive will admit. Um, but there, there's whole areas of crime that are dominated by particular ethnic groups. Um, and, you know, the, 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 the crime figures increase in every nation that increases its mass immigration. Um, you know, well, and, Daniel, and, and that's just a fact. You're making a really good point and... I can't afford to bring you guys to live in Israel for years. But when you don't have the ethnic issue, you you can still otherize people. And in Israel, the violence between cops and the other is not just against Palestinians and Arabs. It's against fellow Jews who look differently. So the ability of the human being to otherize somebody else doesn't need ethnicities. Yeah, but I mean, that's just because uh, being uh, being Jewish is is not fundamental. To, their, to, to those people's um, sort of ethnic uh, in-group preference. 
No, but then they're all Israelis. Whatever ethnicity you want to say, uh, all I'm saying is you can other somebody by the color of their hair or by their height or by anything else. Human beings otherize people. We dehumanize people and we find a way to do that. So yes, I agree with you. The ethnicities contribute to it. Um, well, with the I mean, look at the United Kingdom in the in the um, in the nineteenth century. I mean, there uh, one wait. murder a year. I mean, and uh, you know, and it just no. Um, I think that uh, if ethnically homogeneous uh, countries have uh, less crime to the extent that they have any, you know, enforcement. Uh, but I mean, I I don't think that's I don't think that's true at all. I, I, Israel is not an ethnically okay. homogeneous country. And the thing is, organized crime, like we have in the United States, organized, organized crime. That I will give organized, you. Organized crime requires omerta, which is what they and the mafia uses, the, the silence. And the only way you get omerta is if there are strong familial, ethnic, or other uh, potentially religious usually ethnic and familial bonds between the people in the sense that if you, you know, think on someone, um, then you're going to lose your whole family. You're going to lose your, all your friends. There's this, there's this code. And that's the only way organized crime can work. That's I what think, happens. Um, can I go, can I go to the point sure. you made about um, uh, effectively the, these ethnic gangs uh, requiring your police to be a gang? Um, I think that's where that's where the police brutality comes in, when the police is itself a tribe, you know, and the police become a tribe. And it's it's it's, you know, because they're brutalized, because they effectively live in a war zone and they work in a war zone because the, the ethnic gangs have made those areas so bad already that the police, as you say, to survive and to function have to become like that as well. But I think it's exacerbated. I think there's much more of a, a kind of ge generational cop thing in the US than there is in the UK. You know, I, you kind of notice a lot of times that there's there's generational cop families and that, that makes it become more of a tribe as well. I mean, yeah. our problem is probably in the opposite direction that our police are very woke and very weak. Um, and you know that they do well, allow. No apparently, they're they're Ill illiterate too, right? Dang. Yeah, <laughs> but well, it's you know diversity <laughs> hires. You know that these uh, these five guys who you know uh, all black, all diversity hires effectively. You know, so we've got illiterate ones who, who can't read and write, and uh, <laughs> and you've got ones who kick people to death. So. <laughs> I mean, I you know, there was a push in the United States to have what's called community policing. That's and right. since the United States, uh, you know, a lot of areas in cities in the United States are segregated by ethnicity. Uh, in New York City, it's considered fun. It's like, oh, look, Koreatown. Oh, look, Chinatown. Oh, look, you know, this little Italy and all that. It's, coffee it's with a cop cute. day. You have coffee with a cop yeah, day. Yeah, it's, it's considered adorable. Oh, my goodness. And to a certain extent, it is adorable. I mean, that's one of the things that makes New York kind of cool. Um, but, you know, when it comes to certain ethnicities with, with for whatever reason, environmental or, or otherwise, uh, you know, higher crime rates, um, 
if you have a, a black area with high crime and you bring in white police officers, just going to call it like uh, colonialism, oppression, and, and white supremacy. And so what they've tried to do is recruit black officers to police black areas and Hispanic officers to police Hispanic areas and then uh, white officers to give tickets on highways. Um, and I think that is what they are trying to do here in Memphis. Memphis is a, is a you know heavily black city and they wanted to have, they don't wanna have 90% white police officers enforcing the law on 70% black uh, people. And I, I, I understand that and I, I agree with it, to be honest, really? I, I, I do. Yeah, I do agree with it. I, I, I don't know what to do, I mean, uh, people, they're going to be looked at being part of the the man, you know. They're yeah, they are the man. So I I don't think it's going to matter at all. I think it does. I think it does matter. I think it does. Uh, you know, as we you know, two hundred fifty evidence <laughs> that it does. I, I, again, the the United States police forces uses way too much force, and I think one of the reasons is you know they're not trained to use less than lethal very well and. And many of their less than lethal techniques have been eliminated um, because a once in a while it goes wrong, right? The the chokehold, for instance, which is supposed to, you know, knock you out. They, they were trained to. You're saying they're not trained to? I, I would think they are trained to. Uh, uh, no, I think in this particular case, they had, um, they had three less than lethal options. Um, one, fist. Two pepper spray. No, but what I'm saying in terms three, of train, in terms of training. Oh, I don't think but, they get very much less than lethal training. No, I don't think I don't think any police does. They hardly get any lethal training, to be honest. Um, but I don't think they get much less than lethal training. Mm -hmm. yes, you have, you have so many different versions of police forces as well, don't you? And you've got you've got hundreds, if not thousands, of agencies that are qualifying people as some version of a cop. And they've all got different training regimes and they've all got different standards that they abide by. And so, yeah. you know, you can have an instant and a cop beats someone to death. And that could be right. someone who's gone through two weeks of training as opposed to someone who's gone through two years of training. I, again, I don't know anything about um, martial arts or hand-to-hand -hand combat, um, but I listen to people who do. And it's hard. And and you got to have muscle memory, and you got to do it all. You know, it's not but, something you pick up in a half hour every Tuesday, or you know, uh, two days a year. It's something you really commit to. And um, again, if, if you're pregnant, and I'm a lazy bum, so I haven't done it. But I mean, those you know, those cops haven't done it either, obviously, because they didn't know what they were doing. I mean, they were completely yeah. clueless about how to deal with a non-compliant suspect. And but, but again, Steve. If, if, if your premise is right about the gangs, it doesn't matter what training they get. They're, you know, <laughs> if they're becoming a gang as soon as they throw that uniform on and they're hitting the streets, it's all out the window. Right, and then yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's trying to impose right. white supremacy on those gangs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mike, I want to switch off your topic, and then we'll go to everybody's topics that we haven't talked about. Um, Tucker put on what seems like a tinfoil hat the other day, and he's starting to wonder about food facilities being burned to the ground, et cetera. Um, again, I've said before, Tucker is pretty mainstream and not pretty wacko. Is he onto something? Is he losing it? Is um, there really something to the fact that 
food production is getting destroyed. Did well, you got, see the, the TikToker on that segment who claimed that it was the feed? Right, yeah. And that when they switched to local feed, it got better? Yeah, and it's not just that one guy. If you go on TikTok and you know hashtag it and, and look at the topic, you're going to see a lot of these chicken farmers saying the same thing. You know, but I've got a friend. The, the pattern, got... I'm sorry, real quick. The pattern is almost the same as COVID. You have the elites, the big media, and everything all telling us, sh shut up. It's not the feed, it's something else. When all, when all the people that actually have the chickens are saying otherwise. Because I've we all think in the, in the that prepper feed... community, I've got a friend in the prepper community who's been telling me for probably 18 to 24 months that different uh, meat packing and other food plants have been. Uh, vandalized, blown up, burnt down, destroyed. So I don't think it's tinfoil hat at all. Um, I, I, it's not something new that I, I haven't heard before. What were you going to say, Ed? One of the weird things about agriculture is we all think, oh, yeah, you get some seeds at the store and you plant them and then you grow your things. And yeah, if I had a garden out in the backyard, again, lazy slob, but if I had a garden in the backyard, that's what I do. But industrial agriculture it's crazy. It is insane. And again, it's this public-private corruption, right? So all the seeds are patented. Like, how do you patent seeds, right? I mean, but they're patented and you, you have to use them. Why? Because if you use, you know, your own seeds from the crops you used last year, oh, they're patented too. You use patented seeds from patented things, then you have to pay no matter what. So you might... And the, the same thing with the feed for animals. Well, that's patented too. So you can't like just get feed and, it all, and it's all controlled by a couple of real large businesses and they're in the, um, you know, and they're a pocket, uh, they're not. No, the Department of Agriculture, which sets standards and rules for things like animal feed and shots. You know, they're gonna start giving mRNA vaccine shots to cows and chickens and pigs nowadays. How do you think that's going to go over with the public? Um, because we know the mRNA, uh, which ought to be gone in less than a day, stays around for at least six months in many individuals. Is that a great thing to have in your cow that you're going to slaughter and serve up the meat or your pig? Eat your bacon in the morning and get a slice of mRNA from Albert Borla? I mean, this is, the, the, is insane. And it's you know all... they were. You know they've been working on um, uh, crops that um, generate the vaccine. So yes, I've heard that too. Yeah, you have your yes. lettuce, and this is a real thing, you know. And it, it's all kind of uh, people say tinfoil hat straight away, but they've they've got all these plans in place, and they're doing it, and you can verify it yourself. You can go away and research it. And you'll, you'll, you know, you'll find a video clip where there's somebody from a um, research company saying, well, yeah, what we'll do is we'll, we'll um, create a lettuce and the lettuce will have enough. And Bill Gates has talked about this. Yeah, the lettuce Gates, will I have saw that. Like the equivalent of one uh, dose of the vaccine in it. And then you'll just eat the lettuce and you've got the vaccine. Daniel, um, Daniel, I love you. You just gave me the course, best excuse, it. the best excuse not to eat vegetables. Thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, obviously, but uh, but uh, they're going to do it with meat too. There's an interesting thing. Some state, 
and I forget which one, passed a law. Oh, no, it was Hungary. It was my man, Victor. Victor uh, had his um, parliament pass a law saying any um, product, any food product that has insects in it or any insect-derived protein has to be labeled as such, probably in big red letters, right? Um, and oh my God, the West people are gone crazy. Oh my God, that's the end of the world. We have to invade Hungary. You're talking about you know invading Iran or invading Russia, man. What they want to do is invade Hungary and uh, get this guy out of power because that is the end of the world. They've all been talking about putting bugs into into burgers and bugs into uh, things, and now he's passed the law that says you know danger bugs uh, on all the products, and they are just absolutely crazy. You know, I'm not a big um, uh, GMO uh, um, tinfoil hatware necessarily. I, I, you know, I don't trust them, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. But, you know, they passed a law in the United States that you cannot, not a law. That's, uh, sorry, I, I was so 18th century. They passed law. Passed a regulation by some that you cannot label something as to whether it has genetically modified organisms in it or not. So you can't. Uh, you know, um, put, you know, GMO-free or, or whatever um, on your food. It's another or one you, like you, weed you fit rounds. No well, state can pass a law. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. No sure. state can pass a law requiring GMO food to have GMO on it. You can put GMO-free on it if you're a product packager, but you can't, like, DeSantis can't have legislature pass a law saying all GMO food has to have GMO that is what they prevented. And they did it for a reason because they knew that like, if you have this food contains genetically modified organisms, no one would buy it. But the, it's a weird flip round as well, because um, you know, in the, in the nineties, in 1996, Monsanto tried to um, uh, grow gen genetically modified crops in the UK. And there was a huge public outcry about it. And uh, you know, a great deal of resistance and Monsanto execs were caught kind of criticizing uh, the UK and saying how backward our population was because they wouldn't accept these GMO crops. Um, but it was a scandal and it, it was kind of went onto the back burner. Um, but at that point, being green meant opposing genetically modified crops because um, you didn't know what the consequences would be and what the effect on the rest of the food chain would be. And, you know, whether these were harmful in the long term, you know, all the kind of same criticisms that are made actually about bodily autonomy and vaccines. Um, but that was the green position then. And now we've got green people saying, you know, that the green position is let's make lots of genetically modified crops for Africa and that will feed them. Let's uh, um, all eat insects in the in the Western world and change our uh, food supply systems, change our, um, you know, the crops that we rely on, use more genetically modified crops. And it's it's all things that, that people like Bill Gates are invested in and will make money from, you know. He, he's got Impossible Foods, for example, which is, uh, um, you know, all about making meat substitutes and uh, uh, kind of uh, meat that's grown in a lab. Um, and all of these things have completely flipped around what green is because, you know, it used to be protect the environment, 
and protect uh, kind of natural ecosystems. Mm-hmm. And now it's mess with the ecosystem as much as possible because that will save the planet. Which is no different than the left used to be anti-man and now it's yeah. man. I mean, yeah, they just totally flip on a dive. Well, it's like last week I mentioned. Well, when they became the man. Right. The way in New mean, Jersey uh, keep washing up on shore because of their uh, wind project. <laughs> so they don't. They don't care about that. I'm, no, still waiting, still, don't care about I'm still waiting for PETA to speak out, but no, not, nothing. If yet. you're hiking in the woods and you pick up an eagle feather and say, oh, this is nice. I'm going to take it off. That is a felony. If you put up a wind project with giant 30 meter blades and they kill hundreds yeah. of eagles. Right. That's just the cost to do a business. Right. Now, how is that? How is that? What does that, how does that make sense? How does that make sense? If you want to drain your pond in your backyard because it's filled with scum or whatever, you need an environmental impact statement and go through all this bullshit takes years. But if you, because of some frog that might be, you know, displaced, but if you want to kill raptors by the hundreds by putting up a wind farm, well, that environmental impact statement, that's not necessary. We really need the wind energy or whatever. It, it's just uh, it's unbelievable. see it from Martha's Vineyard, in which case mm-hmm. we can. Yeah. Folks, everybody talk about what you haven't talked about so we can close down for today. Mike? Uh, I'll just uh, point out one victory, one uh, good piece of good news this week, which was the gentleman named Mark Houck was uh, acquitted of trumped up charges by the Biden Justice Department. Uh, He was involved in an anti-abortion group, which was blocking um, or disrupting a Planned Parenthood clinic. And they brought some really stupid charge up against him. He really didn't do anything wrong. And gladly, a jury had the sense to, to acquit him. So that was one victory this week that I wanted to point out. Okay, Ed M. Farm policy story and uh, a local, a national story. Farm policy, we didn't talk about Israel and Iran potentially going to war. Uh, We also didn't talk about Biden sending tanks and the Germans sending tanks to to Ukraine and uh, Switzerland contemplating giving up its neutral status in order to support Ukraine. Nothing, you know, nothing big has happened yet, but these are just uh, escalations in 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 the war machine that's going on right now. It's but Ed, that... Ed, I'm sorry. Last week you said it was just all wag the dog. Now, now you're worried it's escalation. <laughs> uh, I still think it's wag the dog, but I think it's worth mentioning on the show. Yeah, um, I'm not sitting here. I mean, well, Israel, Israel and Iran, I think is different. Um, I think that, that that could turn into a hot war sooner rather than later. Um, you know, Ukraine, I don't think that Ukraine is going to win that war. I think that uh, I think that's the, the real issue in Ukraine is keeping the war going long enough so that they can keep the, the money laundering scheme going and keep the corruption going. Uh, I think it's all about the, the, the corruption. Um, and then the national story is... Rona McDaniel defeating Harmeet Dillon in the RNC uh, chairman 
race. Shocking. You know, the 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 Republican grassroots is is completely alienated from the Republican establishment and the Republican leadership. And I don't know how long that can last. Uh, it's lasted longer than I would have ever thought it could last, but uh, I know that people are very fed up with it. And there's been, you know, I saw a lot of talk about not donating any more money to the RNC. Um, but I think that's a, that was an important story. that no, was Nobody should be doing that anyway. <laughs> I mean, really. Right. But obviously people are, is that mostly coming from big donors or are people giving the money? I would imagine bigger donors. I mean, I mean, people have been saying don't donate to the parties for a very long time. And I don't think that influences the big bucks. The problem with donating only to candidates is that you have campaign finance limits, whereas you can donate pretty much unlimited amounts of money to the national party. Right, but the average Joe can't max out his uh, donations anyway. But even still, I mean, you're you're better off um, get form a pack and and do something with money that way. I mean, you're better off. The the worst place you give it is the RNC. I mean, did anybody really think she had a chance of losing? Was that ever reality? I thought she had a chance of losing. Uh, I mean, I think that Mike Lindell was a was a clown candidate, but I think that Harmie Dillon was a serious candidate. I was surprised to Kurt Schlichter, who was there. I mean, did she get into uh, there late? were a lot more people who privately said they were going to support Harmy until the actual vote. And when they when they voted for which McCann. was the opposite of what people usually predict. Right. Yeah. Usually people will vote against an incumbent when it's silent. So that's kind of interesting. I just listen, it's, it's power and I don't know how you can beat power. It's establishment. Of course, she's not going well, to. Well, I mean, I know how you can beat power, and Daniel can cor- uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but let's look at the complete and utter and total collapse of the Conservative Party in the United Kingdom. Sure. Uh, they are, uh, they have just done so many things that are against their own principles. And I, you know, I don't care about the whole, you know, structural thing about, you know, putting Rishi Sunak in or Liz Truss or who cares, you know, but it's not. It's not the fact that they've changed leaders from Boris to Liz to Rishi. It's the fact that they are absolutely 100% opposed to both their voters and the policies that they ran on. And this is the Republican Party in the United States, too. I mean, you either, you either, um, it, it finally comes out, right, as it's coming out in the United Kingdom. And yes, now, the, trouble it, with, the trouble is. Uh, there, there comes a point where you are too much of a fake conservative, so your core vote abandons you. But um, the the kind of stupid thing, and it's the case in the US and it's the case in the UK with the two party system, is that um, you know it's a seesaw, and people still think that they can trot to the other end of the seesaw, and they'll get a better result. Um, when the the other party is exactly the same and you know we'll trample over everything that an ordinary person wants just as much um so you know all those people that are abandoning the conservative party and uh, are going back to labor which is incredibly stupid um rather than to a third party alternative um and you know, when people abandoned Labour, they trotted over to the Conservatives. Labour voters trotted over to the Conservatives. But the fact is that ordinary, decent people 
won't ever get what they want from either of these two main parties because these two main parties are globalist puppet organisations. Ed P, anything quick we didn't get to? A little bit of inside baseball today. Uh, Twitter is a complete mess. Um, Elon has taken some good steps, but some uh, terrible steps. And, uh, and apparently there is this the woman uh, who goes by the nom de grift uh, Eliza Blue, um, who is uh, allegedly a, uh, an advocate of people, uh, of, uh, people of victims of, of sexual trafficking or, or whatever, who, um, um, but who is in fact a grifter. And the people who have pointed this out on Twitter, uh, including uh, Brittany Venti and uh, The Quartering and a bunch of others, uh, were banned. Um, because Eliza is friends with uh, Elon Musk, and she just basically got everybody banned. Anybody who criticizes this person as a grifter uh, has been banned from Twitter. And it's, it's, it just shows how even when you come in and say, oh, I'm going to have free speech, um, when it's one of your friends, it's like, oh, no, we're going to ban uh, anybody who criticizes my friend, and we're going to ban anybody who supports anybody who criticized my friend was a ban, ban, ban. And like dozens of people have gotten banned from Twitter, all in this right-wing vlogosphere that I follow relatively closely. And, um, you know, it's a mess. And it's, it's just, it just goes to show that uh, Elon is just as unprincipled or just as arbitrary as the people he replaced and um, I think he's probably, I think he's probably going to lose that 44 billion. I think Twitter is going to, it is probably going to die. So you think I, I should go back to Truth Social? Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know what's going to replace Twitter. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be Parler. I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of un, uh, unsavory people on Gab, but it really is a, a free speech platform. Um, so that might be it. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know. Telegram is censored. Everybody's censored except Gab. So I, I don't know what else to tell you. I, I don't use Gab very much um, because, again, there are a lot of, uh, of creeps on there. Um, but, uh, but that's the only one, really. Facebook is dying. Twitter is dying. Instagram is okay, but, they're, again, they're trying their hard hardest to imitate TikTok and thus they're killing it as a place where like you want to go to look at cat photos which is kind of what I use for I was like no I have to watch this reel of someone pretending to be a TikToker uh yeah it's it's they're killing that too I mean all of these it's it's really good news that all these social media uh companies are destroying their platforms because it does present an opportunity for um someone to rise. I know uh, Rumble Locals is uh, doing is doing great and they really do have a commitment to free speech. Um, I'm beginning to watch a lot more stuff on, on Rumble and, and subscribe to people on Locals. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, that's in the video, you know, written video, you know, Glenn uh, Greenwald, the journalist, uh, he moved from Substack where it was making a ton of money to Rumble Locals. 
where he does his written stuff on Locals and he does his videos on Rumble and he's getting paid a pretty penny from Rumble to do that. Um, it is the next uh, big thing. And I, it's the only, the only good news on the horizon. So Rumble Locals. Daniel, any last word? Um, just on the tech front again, uh, maybe not one of the most important um, stories, but um, it, it's quite amusing in terms of bias that the, uh, um, the uh, chat AI um, that we mentioned earlier, apparently people run tests to see uh, if it was working by biased algorithms, uh, just like uh, Twitter used to or still does. Um, and uh, what they discovered is that if you asked it to um, compose a poem praising Trump, you got a reply saying that, um, uh, a, a, like a kind of standard reply saying that um, uh, he, he doesn't feel that it's appropriate or able to uh, comment on uh, political figures. Um, and if you asked it to write a poem praising Biden, it gave you a poem praising Biden. Um, so they, they've got some kind of algorithm in place there that um, is, is uh, controlling this AI and uh, basically makes it sound like a, a former Twitter employee. So I don't know if there'll be a kind of behind the curtain Wizard of Oz moment where they find that it's actually, a, a, you know, a uh, 22-year-old with purple hair, but that's that's what it comes across as. Okay, folks. With that, we're going to wrap it up for today, and we will be back here next week, 4 o'clock again on Wednesday, hopefully, and please send feedback to the Conservatarian Exchange at libertyblock.com. Have a wonderful evening.